Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast, where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules and haunted gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwake and a Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk to you about cosmology. Now, I am not talking about astrology or any of those type-related subjects. By cosmology, I mean the infinite multiverse of Dungeons and Dragons. So, before I do start off on my usual rant on the subject, Nathan, what are you aware of in terms of the D&D multiverse? My world is in it, I think, and that's it. (laughs) Alright, I mean, you're technically accurate. So there is a lot of history and lore about the various planes that exist in Dungeons and Dragons. And one just really neat detail is the fact that just by the official rules, basically, every single world that player that just a DM makes or just a game is played in is its own separate reality in the D&D multiverse. So, by the actual lore, all games are canon D&D. On the other hand, there are lots of variations and types of just official content to the planes of Dungeons & Dragons. So, the standard of D&D is the material plane. That is the dimension where we play, where stuff happens, where we are. There are, you know, people, whether that is, you know, humans, dwarves, elves, tieflings, what have you. There, you know, there there may be like a sun and a moon and stars. There is dragons. There's magic. There is stuff. The usual place where everything happens in most D&D games is the material plane. However... There is a lot more to it than just the material plane. So, oh boy, where do I even start? This is an enormous subject. This is just going to be kind of a planes 101. Uh, if you do want to hear a kind of deep dive into just individual planes at some point in the future, uh, please do let us know uh, in email or via comments. Uh, just let us know because there is no way that I can do the entire subject any sort of justice in a single episode. So I'm going to be incredibly light on detail on the individual planes. So there are a lot actual planes that exist in D&D. And there is actually a whole picture that is a kind of illustration of like the layout of planes uh, in Appendix C of the Player's Handbook. And there are, I don't even know how many, around 25 or so actual planes. Uh, There's a lot. So you start off in the center of the universe, basically, with the material plane. The next nearest ones are, what, how is the phrase? The reflected planes or some such, uh, the material echoes. So there is the light echo, which is the Feywild, where the Fey are from, where the Fey live, which is a really strange place. It is, like I said, the light reflection of the material plane. So that's the place where, you know, where there might be, you know, some woods in the material plane. It is just woods plus in the Feywild. 
So when I say light, it is also important to remember that light does not always mean good and that dark does not always mean evil. That's actually one of the kind of neat things about just D&D cosmology as a general subject and just D&D and alignment and just all of those related angles of those topics. There is gray to everything. So the Feywild is basically the higher magic version is another way to think of it. Time is funky there. Things just are weird there. There's like all of these creatures that exist there that, you know, come to the world. And, you know, you have spells like Conjure Woodland Beings to create like fey actual creatures. And it's just, like I said, the light reflection of the material plane. So again, this reflection aspect, I feel I'm not doing a great job at describing just because it is kind of a strange thing to think about. So think of just more just magic, more energy kind of pumped into the positive reflection, which is the Feywild. So let me actually try to find an example here. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Where a volcano stands in the material plane, a mountain topped with skyscraper-sized crystals that glow with internal fire towers in the Feywild. So whatever it is, it is just extra when it comes to the Feywild. Now, the other reflection is the Shadowfell, which is the dark reflection. And this is where there is, you know, undead all over the place. That same mountain might have, you know, a skull castle carved into the side of it. It is just the Edgelord's wet dream. I honestly have quite a lot of fun in the Shadowfell because thinking of the dark reflection just is something that I find to be more just tuned to the way that I'm able to think than the Feywild. Not even. It's just that I can't imagine the Feywild well. Just the idea of everything's happy. I mean, it's definitely not because, (laughs) like, do you know, like, the ancient stories about the Fey, like F A E? Yeah. That shit is there. They still children. Yeah, like all of that shit is in like canonical Feywild. And it even specifically says in that Appendix C describing the Feywild in the player's handbook that it is ruled by the Seely and Unseely Fey courts. So all of that kind of shit from like the dangerous stories of bargains with the Fey, that shit happens there, which is something that as a dungeon master gives a lot of angles of shit to happen. Then you have like stealing children and doppelgangers and all of that crazy shit. But just I personally just have trouble wrapping my brain around the kind of mechanics and goals of the fey and interactions with the material plane and just the fact that time goes wonky there like there's actually a chart that if you travel to the fray wild it can be minutes pass when you're there for days or it could be years that pass when they're for days and either one like time does not line up one way or the other if you do choose to use that chart to roll on like it's crazy complicated and just my linear logical brain just struggles with that enormously (laughs) so remy so here's my take on the feywild how it can be executed well is um when you do the feywild essentially typically what they seem to be wanting you to draw on is that sort of dread that you get when you're dealing with forces unknown and powerful but 
that the, the the main reason why they're scary is not because they're out to get you per se. It's just that it's unexplained as to why and how and what they're doing. What 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 are their goals? And, and that's why yes. that's why I think it's tr- the, like the goal of having a the Feywilders is just this realm of like beings that are immensely powerful that you don't actually know what their goals and such are. Yeah, but exactly. But that same inscrutableness, that mysteriousness is the thing that I struggle with. <laughs> so that is my problem. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, Feywild, that was a lot. The Shadowfell is the dark mirror. So I love undead in general. So having there be an entire plane that just has just all kinds of undead and then you also have like the dark mirrors where you have the whole situation of okay so if there's a city here then maybe there's like a the dark reflection is just some lich damn i was about to say lich king but i'm pretty sure that's copyright but uh anyway a powerful lich is you know the ruler over city over like a city full of sentient undead and just having that just be there But part of what makes those two planes in particular really neat is that because of the fact that they are so closely related and shadowed and sorry, mirrored rather of the material plane, there are spots where they overlap. And even disregarding the normal types of planar travel magic that does exist and we'll talk about later. There are spots in the world where these planes, as well as some others, but these two more than most, overlap the material plane. So you can have like the uh, you know fairy circle of mushrooms that is just grown the same in both planes, so that a creature who walks through that spot under the light of the full moon can get transported from the material plane to the Feywild, or vice versa. So there are just spots in the world that just line up just right with certain circumstances or, you know, it could, you know, full moon is the classic example, but it could be also just be something along the lines of, you know, if an individual with blonde hair just happens to, you know, walk under this particular fallen log, then a portal is triggered for the next 60 seconds. Like you can make up whatever triggers that you want to do. And there are like lists of suggestions between just the player's handbook and dungeon master's guide to have like how non-spell transportation between planes can work. And similar thing for the shadow fell too, which is super cool that there might be like certain shadowy corners of desolate tombs that, you know, if you walk through when there's a moonless night, you know, the total opposite of full moon, then you might enter the shadow fell by accident. Just the fact that you can get to other planes by accident is a awesome and b super dangerous and c something that I want to see fucking more of in my D&D. Because that's cool. (laughs) So this gives perfect, like, canonical reasoning of why even low-player characters can fall into planar-level bullshit. Because most of the time, most D&D just sticks to the material plane for the entire campaign and does not ever leave it. And that's fine. But, like, by the official lore that is out there, there is a lot out there. So you can have a level one party that just has, like, the... The campaign conceit that you as the DM come up with is, oh shit, a level one party has stumbled into the Shadowfell. Fucking now what? They don't necessarily know what triggered it. They might not know how long they may be stuck there. 
you could easily have campaigns dealing with this kind of stuff. So, Remy, um, what is your opinion on having like these alternate planes that are reflections of the material on, and how do you use them in your world? So that actually leads to a question that I arguably probably should have started with. And so let me actually tangent away from your question and what I was talking about to address something related. How much planar bullshit do you want in your own campaign? The official material has a fuck ton written about it. There is a lot of details available for use. There are a lot of creatures in many, many places throughout the multiverse that you as a DM can pull from. But to answer your question with a question for a moment, how many planes <laughs> do you actually need in a D&D game? Uh, one. Correct. Because a, anything that is dealt with in other planes can just be magic is fucking weird in different places. If you want there to be, you know, high magic woods where just the fae reside and guard, you know, zealously. If you want there to be, you know, a Mordor-esque area where that's where all the bad things come from, don't go there. If you want there to be an actual heaven on the top of a mountain, like Olympus is an actual place that you could go to. You know, if hell is a place where if you just go down the right mountain, then you can journey into hell to try to, you know, rescue your dead friend. You can have all that kind of shit that is normally planar shenanigans in the world. So how many planes do you need? One. So the question just becomes, how much do you want? And there is no correct answer to that. The official material has, like I said, something something like 25 or so. Jesus. Just normal planes, not even getting into multiverse shit. That is just, you know, material plane, Shadowfell, Feywild, astral plane, ethereal plane. Uh, then you get into the elemental planes where you've got air, earth, fire, water, and then also the elemental chaos where they start bumping into each other a little more. You've got, you know, the inner planes, the outer planes, you know, the Abyss, uh, Mechanus, there's a fucking lot of them. And again, how much do you need? None. You can totally disregard absolutely everything. So the biggest point of this episode is that I want Dungeon Masters to just think about their world's cosmology. What do you want the layout of your, your multiverse to be? Is there just the material plane, just, you know, the planet where your game happens? Is, you know, hell an actual dimension? Is there, you know, an actual heaven and hell that are separate dimensions? Are they just places and it's not actual dimensional bullshit? So, yeah, it's a huge, huge question to debate. So, to give some example, Nathan, how much thought have you put into... Riftwake's cosmology. Actually, a surprisingly large amount, all things considered, because it does actually tie into a large part of what Riftwake is. Yep. It being about riffs and stuff. Right. So, generally speaking, in Riftwake, it's a scenario where it's more leaning towards the um, multiverse sort of thing, where you have multiple um, material realms, that kind of thing. Um, but the like there are certain things that make it a bit different from the more traditional D&D sort of thing where instead of having like planes of fire and such be separate for, from these material planes there's actually like an explanation that I have for how these planes are created and 
that they originally uh, were material planes and such like that. So then the related question, why? Why is it helpful as a dungeon master to think about the cosmology? Well, I think that if you have a cosmology um, thought up and stuff, it gives you a lot of opportunities because generally speaking, um, as a dungeon master, there is a there's always that thing where you the the more stuff you have to work with, the more bullshit explanations you can pull from, and that's how I see it. Is if there's something weird and you're thinking like, as, especially as someone who does a lot of improv, right? And you're thinking, well, fuck, what what the fuck am I supposed to do now? I I don't know. And then what you can do is just be like, okay, this um fire thing, hey um. Fireplane. <laughs> That's what that 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 is a possible. <laughs> that is one way that you could think of it. It's just like it's it's just another way for you to explain bullshit without just resorting to ha huh, magic magic. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that that's that's my thoughts on the subject. So also thinking about the kind of outside in as I so do love to do, a lot of other fiction has the like main bad guys a lot of the time have the whole goal of the universe has a finite amount of energy to it and that eventually everything will die because entropy and that trying to find some way to stop entropy is just the goal at any cost by having an infinite multiverse that kind of gets rid of that type of justification because in a truly infinite multiverse then that means then that energy is never really created or destroyed but that it's able to just infinitely cycle through in some form or another and that helps explain a lot of the oddities of magic where just that is bullshit how the fuck does some tiny expenditure of magic you know conjure up an enormous amount of food or water like there's no way by equals mc squared that that is enough energy to create the mass that is created by a spell like create food or water so by having it be plainer bullshit that could be an explanation that oh okay all that you're actually doing is opening up some so the spell opens up a tiny you know portal to the you know planes of earth plane and of water that well yeah like if you wanted to really go nuts with it no i was thinking something better where it's just like there's some family and some other reality it's just like okay we you're stealing their the shit today <laughs> and then they, and then they come Maybe? back in and it's like what what the fuck <sighs> Why does this keep happening? There's just thousands of failed business. There's an infinite number of failed businesses across the infinite multiverse just because you're just summoning their shit. Maybe. Like, like, maybe that's where it comes from. And maybe it is actually just a summoning spell and you're just stealing the shit from elsewhere. Maybe it's actually, you know, transmutation that you're just, you know, transforming existing materials into it. And that just magic is just a ridiculously energy efficient system. Like how you interpret magic, the planes and just the energy input and output just is kind of how your world works. So thinking about that just balance of just energy of, you know, positive and negative energy, because even by the, you know, official cosmology, 
there's, you know, the material plane that has got, you know, the Feywild and Shadowfell next to it. You've got the ethereal plane around those where you've got, you know, ghostly things. And there's all kinds of shenanigans about that that would take a long time to actually talk about. Then you've got the elemental shit around that. Then you've got, you know, the heavens and the hells and the neutral stuff. And like, there's all kinds of crazy just dimensions and planes and stuff out there. But even around all of that, there are the outer planes where you have the positive plane and the negative plane, which are the sources of radiant and necrotic energy, which is just this basically permanent, you know, positive negative flow of energy, which means that like with you need to have both for a balanced world, because if you just have positive energy, then you are just constantly injecting energy into the universe. And then, you know, in theory, the eventual end of that would be, you know, a race of immortals that overpopulate every aspect of every universe. And it just every everything like you need death to have life. You need to have a universal balance. So by having both infinite positive and infinite negative, like it, it just creates the kind of universal balance. But again, whether you want your world to work that way is always up to you as the dungeon master. Just because there is published content does not mean that you need to use that or any of that, really. It just is suggestions. If you just want there to be the world and that's that, okay. If you want to use an infinite multiverse, you can do that too. Because there is magic in game to allow players to even access other planes. Like there is like the plane shift spell, which so all of this is relatively higher level. So even plane shift is a seventh level spell, meaning it doesn't become available to characters until 13th level. So that is already getting up there, even though it's not, you know, the highest tier when you have wish and all that kind of bullshit available, you know, gate, all that fun stuff. But even at that point, that just means that a 13th level character is able to cast it. There does also exist magic items that give access to planar travel. So the easiest one, quote unquote, is something called the Candle of Invocation, a very rare magic item that does require attunement. But regardless of its normal effect, which I may talk about more in another episode because it's actually a pretty neat item, it has an alternate effect that is just like the last line on the item description, which is ridiculous. When you light the candle for the first time, you can cast the gate spell with it. Doing so destroys the candle. So this would be stupidly expensive, but there is officially a consumable item here that allows access to gate, which is the ninth level planar travel spell. So that is you just make a fucking portal to pretty much anywhere. And the only real limit on it is deities and other planar rulers can prevent portals created from the spell from opening in their presence or anywhere within their domains. So you can't teleport to heaven unless the god lets you, and you can't teleport to it to hell unless that particular demon lord or devil lets you. But that leaves a lot of shit open. So the <laughs> fact that you can just, I mean, right? That is insanely open and versatile. 
But anyway, that is a quite a tangent. But the point being, even if players can't cast such magic themselves, there are ways for it to happen. There are, like I mentioned earlier, just the spots where the realms can kind of cross over each other. So I did mention how that's more the case with the Feywild and the Shadowfell, but that also can happen for the elemental planes. So it's possible that there might be like a particularly powerful volcano that in a particular spot you know, in the right condition might open a portal to like the elemental plane of fire. And just because players may not be of a level to purposefully trigger certain things does not mean that you as a DM don't have other arrows in your quiver that can be used if you want, you know, planar shenanigans to be just part of your games. So there are quite literally for once, an infinite number of planes that can potentially be out there. But how many you as a dungeon master choose to use in your own game is, of course, up to you and very much just something worth thinking about. Because whether you do decide to use a single plane or infinity, well, an infinite number of options in front of you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rifts and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. Here's Stylus Lowe's a dollar and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord where you'll be able to chat with cast, and even a shout-out on the show. Find us on social media on Twitter at Podcast, on Facebook as Riffwake, and on Reddit on the subreddit r slash Podcast. And now, send us an email, riffsandrolls at gmail.com. That's riffsandrolls at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.